0: You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of splatterpictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knipe here with... Always.
1: Typical Lydia.
0: Today's show, we're going to be doing the 2001 J horror internet ghost movie Pulse, not to be confused with 1988's Pulse. And I was worried that I wasn't being specific enough every time I was saying Pulse. If you guys were coming in here expecting an 80s romp, you are going to be woeful when you realize that we're not. We're not. We're talking about the, the 2001 film from Japan.
1: Yeah, some nice Japanese horror to um, start filling in our block of four Asian <laughs> horror films.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to do all this. And then no one can say that when I mention that we're going to be doing Asian horror for a while and then I don't do it because I forget. And then I get distracted by other things that I want to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm.
1: Are you pissing on Chris?
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Cup your hands, Chris, and look away.
1: This ain't no fucking peep show. Oh, wow. You're cruel. If someone was <laughs> pissing in my hands, I would watch for sure. Make sure I'd catch every little drop. I'm sure Chris would agree. The Chris he's pissing on is Chris from *Bind Torture Cast, of course. And who had mentioned had mentioned to me that he would have liked to see us do more Asian horror, as we promised.
0: <laughs> Many moons ago yeah. that I completely forgot that I ever said, because... You guys, you got to understand that sometimes when we create this art, it's art, let's call it what it is. When we create these episodes of the podcast, they are created and they die. It's quite beautiful, honestly. And what I mean to say is I kind of forget everything I say in previous episodes.
1: The first part of what you just said was probably the most inspired thing I've ever heard. And I do agree that podcasts are art. I really do. And this art is going to continue eventually with many more bright colors because doing a block of four films, I'm pitching a block of four, maybe five clown films because I'm me and I wanted to do more of them. And I said moons ago that I wanted to do more clown films. But here we are in the Eastern Hemisphere Mm -hmm. covering a really wide array of Japanese horror film, uh, Hong Kong Mm -hmm. Chinese horror films are we hitting Thailand
0: uh no I don't think that we are
1: Ah, I've got some Thai horror kicking
0: that's true and and you know what I got some I got an urge to get into some more Korean horror too let's get that going yeah because there's a lot of great ones That I kind of shied away from because they're a little sleepy, but we've handled some sleepier Asian horror films. The sleepy
1: Asian horror film thing, I think that sort of plagues Bind torture cast somewhat. I'm going out on a limb here somewhat um, because it's been noted on several episodes about Chris has an affinity for Asian horror, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, because he and I do talk about it quite often and we enjoy each other's episodes on Asian horror like you could go and visit their um, episode on Cold Fish which I enjoyed immensely Cold Fish is a great fucking movie great great movie yeah really great but it seems Luke of Blind Torture Cast isn't the biggest fan of Asian horror and I think all it is is that playing that Russian roulette of is this going to be really sleepy vague artsy thing or is this going to be like the next film we're covering Abnormal Beauty a lot more flashy a lot more linear same Mm -hmm. sort of aesthetic same sort of feel and Mm -hmm. same um, not tropes. I think tropes is a diminutive thing when it comes to Asian horror, but same yeah. sort of uh, traditions that come to play into play. But sometimes you you get a film like this that could definitely put the most ardent fan to sleep.
0: There's a lot of preconceived notions about Asian horror, and what tends to bubble to the surface as far as a lot of lay people are concerned and i certainly don't mean that to be reductive i just mean people who are either casually interested or caught a couple and then they decided it's not for them if people were to assume what asian horror is all about they're just oh it's confined spaces and sleepy ghost girls and and not a lot of blood or 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 action
1: a lot of shadows
0: a lot of shadows, a lot of uh implication but then of course you have to remind them well you know asia has produced some of the most gonzo, fucked up, hardcore horror films ever. Grotesque, Guinea Pig. We did um, Dream Home. There's another one. Macabre, one of my favorite movies of all time, right? It, they're not, It's not true. It, no, it's, simply it, it's not It's just true. there's so many different varieties. I just happen to like these kinds.
1: And it can be a Russian roulette. And you can be a fan of a sleepier film regardless of where it comes from there are a lot of people very big fans of i'm the pretty thing that lives in the house Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. extremely sleepy ultra slow burn Mm -hmm. not a lot in the way of retribution it is a very subtle film and i'm using the word subtle in the nicest way possible Mm -hmm. not that i didn't enjoy that film i did enjoy it but it's a sleepy sunday rainy day movie for sure
0: it's funny that you say that because i was just thinking that sometimes my favorite moments of my life watching these types of asian films particularly back in the day was just me at my place uh, my parents place on a rainy day a rainy fall day i love to watch these types of movies on a rainy fall day i feel like it's so fucking appropriate or even just spring but that sort of atmosphere outside really gets me in the mood to watch these Whereas, you know, when it's summertime, I want to watch camp slashers and, and, and shit like that. Like, it definitely, the seasons can affect the types of horror movies that I want to watch. But I think that sometimes a slower Asian horror film can be really effective. The Eye comes to mind, or uh, Shudder comes to mind. It's very effective. It's quite slow, though. And you're really t- spending a lot of time investigating Pulse, or um, Cairo, as it's known. Mm-hmm is a film that very much has a... First of all, it's got a pretty chunky runtime of 118 minutes, which definitely seems to be one of the longer films that we've done in a minute. I Mm -hmm. feel like we haven't done a really long uh, movie in a while. And secondly, there's a lot of characters and there's a lot of slow burn into what ends up being apocalyptic in a very benign sort of way. It's almost like this... I always remember watching this YouTube video a long time ago about this guy complaining about Ottawa. And he said that if you go to Ottawa, our home uh, city, by the way, where where we broadcast out of, uh, it's like if you go to Ottawa on a weekday after 6 p.m., it's like a neutron bomb exploded, killed all the people, and left all the buildings intact. So Pulse is kind of that level of apocalypse in which everything is there, but the people are gone.
1: That's why we are known as the city that Fun forgot.
0: The big snore. The
1: big snore of <laughs> the O Town hoedown. Um, it's as innocuous, not Ottawa, but Cairo, as a zombie apocalypse in real time and very far more realistically mm-hmm. than something where there's ragers running around um, mm-hmm. and everyone realizes what's happening because they're in a hospital or a mall. If you're just kicking around with your friends and working your job, you might not notice what's going on. Mm -hmm. And this reminds me a lot of a a zombie film, just the way that it spreads.
0: Absolutely. Now, like many films that we've been talking about in the last little while, I know that Dark Water, we we really talked about a lot of different uh, Asian horror films, particularly J-horror. This film got remade in 2006 starring Kristen Bell. And that was the first time I ever saw it. I didn't see the original first. I saw this one, much in the same way that I saw uh, the Eye remake before I saw the original Eye, or I saw the Shutter remake before I saw Shutter. So I remember watching this film initially, and 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 I, I was going to go back and watch the remake, but like so many times before, I just I didn't have the time. Didn't
1: <laughs> you know have the time, and what's the point with this one? Although this is a film, watching Pulse again now, I'm thinking, you know, I can see why people wanted to remake this yeah it's crying out in a way for a remake Mm -hmm. um not because it's dated and not only because it's slow but because it could be tightened up a little bit
0: yeah i think you could probably cut 20 minutes off this movie
1: easy um but it is compelling as it is i think even fuck a remake it needs an edit
0: yeah yeah just one more one more again
1: Yeah. One pass through, cut out a little bit of what's dragging, and it would be just fine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I do very much like this film almost in spite of itself, and I'll tell you why. When new technology rears its head, I find it interesting when people try to do something with it. So this very much, this, even though the internet was not a new thing, it was still on that cusp of before it became everyday culture for everyone, where everybody has a fucking website, every asshole, us included, has a podcast, social media. I mean, this predates social media, but I, I mean, this almost predates people casually downloading stuff. Like 2001, for fuck's sake, people were just like, have you heard of this Napster thing? And Pretty
1: much. And people weren't necessarily, and it reminds me a lot of chat roulette, um, the hilariousness Mm -hmm. if you think about it that this is sort of like a chat roulette for dead people Mm -hmm. or suicides which is kind of creepy and being done again but like at this time as far as social media there was bulletin board systems and Mm -hmm. it was only the most leet of leet speakers that were in there Mm -hmm. Um, the casual user was absolutely not Mm -hmm. video was in its infancy oh yeah especially live webcam broadcasts were in their infancy and it was um A real novelty and you had to be some sort of programmer to be having this technology at your avail because it wasn't really available at a good price point in stores
0: it was cost prohibitive for sure and the ones that you could afford the webcams that you could afford in 2001 fuck like you may as well be trying to record Bigfoot on that shit for as clear as it's going to be
1: and the best things were, did belong to programmers, and they weren't necessarily social people, so they weren't having shows necessarily. Oh, yeah. I remember this one. It was around 2001. This guy had a webcam uh, strapped onto a remote control vehicle, and you could control the remote control vehicle around his apartment. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. It really did nothing. It did nothing. I mean, years later, maybe five years later, there was a cat cafe that had a bunch of remote control toys for the cats to play with that you could control.
0: That sounds amazing. It was
1: kind of fun for 10 minutes. Um, So was this remote control car that could drive around a guy's apartment. Mm -hmm. Useless, utterly useless.
0: But it really is coming into the vein of that mentality in those days where let's just see if we can do this. Can this be done?
1: And those were engineers. The casual user is better reflected in the character Ryo, who is just for the first time getting online. And it's basically the Japanese version of AOL. I know. I was like, don't use up all your minutes just yet. Yeah. You going to be in
0: the prime time for that type of shit.
1: How do I connect this, connect this, and then what? Welcome to the internet.
0: Yeah, if I can see him like, typing in his IP address, he's like, what, what's this? That, that's fine, I guess. The the type of, of, of thing where you wonder, back in the day, I, I would wonder too, watching this kid right now, I'm even asking myself, what would he even want to be doing on the internet? What would he, a, a complete layperson who doesn't really seem to understand anything he really doesn't about anything like printing copying pasting and
1: Harry is like well bookmark the site and he's like whoa whoa slow down yeah he was click like on click on it and what
0: click. yeah he wrote down click on it then what so this person is a complete noob. fucking he's a noob. noob he's a noob <laughs> not even a nub he's still a noob yeah he's he's adorable but i remember back in the day i was definitely that kid That I didn't give a shit what the internet was for. You know, this guy, uh, Ryu, he's got, you know, video games and fucking pop cans over the place. So I get the idea that he's like late 90s elite in terms of gamers, but he doesn't have anything to do with the PC. In my mind, the PC was something that my brother went on and talked on ICQ with. And I didn't really know what it was for. And my sister was on the internet all the time. And I could give a shit. I I was not in that world. And so I really can see myself in this dude who just is like, I don't even know what you would use the internet for at all.
1: I remember back in the day, it was probably um, 1992 or 93 or something like that. I knew that they had computers with the internet at the university. Mm -hmm. So I would send people who had access to those computers to go and look things up for me and print them off um normally things that would basically be wikipedia entries nowadays yeah yeah articles blogs if there were such a thing
0: i i, I was so fucking i remember us getting the first family computer and i remember my sister and brother uh being really fucking into it and my mom my mom was quite computer savvy for those of you who don't know and she was there helping us set everything up And I didn't get it. This was the first computer we had didn't even have the graphical user interface system. So we were still having to put like slash command and and all that stuff. So I had to get to play fucking Hugo's Haunted House. I had to get my brother to type it in for me so I could play a game. So the only thing I knew that you could do with computers was play games. Where in time was Carmen Sandiego? Like that type of shit. Which is that
1: real difference. And there is probably a watershed moment where pcs whether it became pc gaming or using pcs to facilitate your console gaming Mm -hmm. became sort of inextricable and those two things really cross over nowadays everyone is computer savvy enough to facilitate their gaming whether they're gaming on a pc or gaming on a console Mm -hmm. but those two things sort of go together where Mm -hmm. at this time those two worlds were completely separate
0: yeah i mean you're just getting into the world where uh, for fuck's sake your consoles couldn't even go online yeah they they were really totally a separate entity Mm -hmm. that doesn't really have anything to do with what we're talking
1: about but i just i just wanted to get i tend to forget my console can go online
0: Um, so do i honestly i still am very much if i have my consoles i'm a very big retro gamer for those of you don't know Uh, So I just kind of sit in the past in the past with everything like I watch these fucking old movies. I play old video games living in the
1: past last stop living in the past.
0: (laughs) I just don't care about anything that's happening right now. Wait 10 years and I'll be like, hey, man, did you know that back in the day and I'll bring out this old movie and be like, Wes, that's fucking 10 years old. I'm like, great. It's perfect for the show now.
1: Retro. Retro gaming and retro podcasting. <laughs> this is sort of like retro podcasting. Like I think that the hottest technology they had here is probably a twenty-eight eight bud dial up connection <laughs> and a fucking Ethernet cable.
0: Yeah, I know. That, I, it was kind of fun to see, even though we're looking at all the interfaces in this movie in Japanese and shit like that. It's still pretty fun to see. Oh yeah, monitors used to be the size of a Fucking medicine ball.
1: And about as heavy too. Now all my cat five jokes would be funny again if I could remember them all. (laughs) The ravages of age.
0: And and the sound. You go into their computer lab and it's like i was like wow it's loud in there that's crazy
1: yeah yeah i forgot the sound of a computer lab (laughs) i mean my old laptop had a pretty loud fan nothing like that but to me it was insane embarrassingly insane and it's only because you could hear it (laughs) let alone the fucking jet engine that these computers sounded like
0: so that being said with this transitional period with technology A story like this builds around it about if we are becoming connected via the internet, if there is this signal everywhere, what could carry over on that signal? Porn. Yes. But before porn or perhaps after porn or whatever with the porn, there would be a new method of transference from the dead to the living. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) and that is really where the crux of this film rests on
1: not unlike technologies like photography that can still freak out some cultures and uh years ago it was more um popular to bring a camera somewhere and have people be weirded out by it and many cultures be worried that it's going to capture your soul Mm -hmm. because it basically does capture your lightness and there's nothing necessarily like that uh, a glimmering pool of water can be dispersed and you understand water and light a little easier on a little more basic human level than uh, silver halide capturing an image let alone digitizing images which is so new really and progressed so rapidly and now we're not only digitizing images for display there's live digitized images mm-hmm. that you can watch in real time and manipulate and record and play back where to some cultures that was still like witchcraft mm-hmm. so i think that that's plays a little bit on that too that this mm-hmm. is we're fucking with shit we do not understand mm-hmm. no matter how technologically advanced you are okay you're from nasa okay maybe you understand this a little more than the layman mm-hmm. but our friend rio he's obviously this is witchcraft to him
0: yeah he he really does seem very limited in his understanding and perhaps it's his combination of his youthful exuberance and also his innocence with technology that i think is what makes him immune to a lot of what's going on around him it's just this implacable positivity that cannot be fucking stopped and to 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 the to the point where It would almost be obnoxiously naive if they weren't in the face of this uh, very dark, nebulous concept of sadness, loneliness, despair that traps people within themselves and then changes them into these ashy blots.
1: It could be also part of his education because Ryu is an economics student and give 10 years and he'll be online every minute of the day to do his job. But at this point, it's still a lot of number-crunching paper, pens, uh, statistics, Mm -hmm. and a lot more brain work than it is research and computerized um, data gathering. Mm -hmm. So at this point, he can be neatly removed from technology the way that he is. But then he makes friends with um, Harue, who is a computer science student. And it's really when two worlds collide. The other group of people that we're dealing with, like Taguchi... He's a very computer savvy individual, and if there aren't computer science grads, I like I wouldn't be surprised. him and Junko, Michi and Kudo seem to be at, very at home with the technology that they're using. They all have computers, they're not like weirded out by it. They've been online and they understand how the internet works. Mm-hmm. They're not weirded out the way that Rio mm-hmm. does have like this, He's very apprehensive, he's very worried about the internet. he doesn't understand the internet. Mm. His reaction when things go wrong is to tear all the cords out of the wall yeah. like and none inst- of the others have that reaction
0: Instantly frustrated too that's the thing especially when you have a hard time understanding computers because I remember in the early days of the computer where it seemed as though people were afraid that their PC was a bomb <laughs> and if they pressed the wrong button, it would just explode And so they were so. Careful about what they packed and what they didn't and they wouldn't go into the parts of the computer that they didn't understand. And the second Anything wrong happened They would just instantly get red-faced and frustrated about the idea that It's not working. It's not working. What did I do? Oh, Oh my god
1: The frustration always kind of weirded me out because I approached it like a puzzle and I enjoy puzzles So I never really got too frustrated with technology. My mom on the other hand would call me up wanting to know how to bookmark a site much like a scene in this movie and she'd be already frustrated and when i'd start giving her like instructions you know like just go to the thing right click on it and she'd be like okay i'm at the computer i've got the mouse over it and i'm right clicking now (laughs) you know like that sort of attitude Mm -hmm. like a bomb you put very very Correctly,
0: like it was gonna fucking explode. Oh, it's like your mom was practically in her mind's eye. She was just like hovering over there with that string of wires, red and she's wire,
1: like, wire red, or red or blue, red or blue, red
0: or blue. Well, the, the clock's ticking down. Yeah,
1: that's what it was like. The very first email I ever got from my mother was blank. The second email I ever got from my mother moments later said, "I can't wait till you come visit me." Before I throw this fucking computer out the window,
0: <laughs> I didn't really have that experience. My dad was quite the Luddite, but my mother, was, like as I said, quite cons- uh, computer savvy. And I would go to my I would go to my mother with a lot of problems with the computer. where I didn't understand how to do something or where to go or whatever. But my mom never really had uh, trouble with that. My brother even better. My sister kind of, eh. but for the most part, we were growing up in that era where the computer was our friend and, 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 you know, you wouldn't really get frustrated at it because the computer we were told, I, w- I understood at a very early age that this computer is not against you. It, it is only as smart as the people operating it. It doesn't do things that you haven't either inadvertently tripped or it could be an update. It could be a million things, right? Like there was a million different things that could go wrong with a computer that is easily solvable if you just breathe. And you just, and you
1: just <laughs> breathe. Yeah. You
0: just breathe. Put it
1: down and walk away and come back to it once you've mulled it over a little bit. Don't get frustrated. <sighs> I find technology's changed immensely, especially since those movies come out. People haven't really, though. I swear that ninety percent of the people sitting on the bus playing their bidual blitz or whatever the fuck they're doing waste their time yeah. on a computer.
0: They're eight hundred dollar oh, Facebook machines.
1: Yeah, exactly. They do not understand how this shit works.
0: Which is uh, fair, I suppose. They have other things on their mind. But where this film really kicks off, what I what I dig about this film, I really dig the first like thirty minutes of this movie. I think it's quite great at setting everything up. At least you instantly know something is fucking wrong, and we uh, we're first really introduced to um, Mishi and her group of friends. She's going to Taguchi's apartment to get a fucking CD that has been burned with content. And he has oh, oh, oh. A, what?
1: Is it a CD or is it a floppy disk? I think it's a three and a half inch disk. I I <laughs> don't know.
0: I'm pretty sure it was a CD, but I could be dead wrong, and I'm fine with being dead wrong.
1: The sound that it was making when she was flipping through them, it sounded like she was flipping through floppy disks.
0: Oh well. At any rate, he is uh, seemed pretty chipper, cheerfully talking to her, and uh, everything seems. Quite normal.
1: It's just weird that it took a week. He didn't answer his phone for an entire week. Yeah. And she even says, like, how come you didn't, how come you've been avoiding everyone for a week? We're friends. Is something wrong? And he's like, no.
0: No, everything's fine. fine. Just busy. You know how it is. And so seems to be the end of it. She starts talking to him as she's flipping through his unnamed disks. And he doesn't respond. What the fuck's up? Goes over there. And he has hung himself. This is not unlike Suicide Club, where seemingly well-adjusted, normal, cheerful people talking to you casually. The second your back is turned, he kills himself.
1: One thing I do like about the first even hour of this film is you almost expect anyone that anyone's talking to at any time to just jump off a building. Mm -hmm. Because it has, not only because of Suicide Club, this beginning scene really sets it in your mind that there's something desperately wrong with people and you can't tell who has something wrong with them mm-hmm. and you won't know it until they do this final act.
0: Mm-hmm. There's definitely something strange going on no, and, and they don't really, uh, Mishi and uh, Junko and uh, Yabe, they are having a hard time trying to reconcile with the fact that he killed himself because he seemed happy. He didn't seem depressed or anything like that. But Even moments before. But life goes on and it's not until uh, Yabe goes back To Taguchi's apartment that there's a pretty great scene where he goes to the point in which Taguchi had killed himself. He doesn't really know that, but he's searching the apartment. He sees this mysterious murky stain on the wall. We know as the audience, because we saw him. We know that that's the location in which he died, although it doesn't make too much sense why that stain would be there. No,
1: because if he had lain on a bed for a week decomposing, that sort of stain would be there, but he had hung himself and probably been there moments because the police were called immediately.
0: Yeah, exactly. And there doesn't seem to be anybody there. He turns off the light and a very effective scene comes back. Something, just something's compelling him to go back and look, and he turns on the light and, oh, shit, his friend's there. But then... His friend's not there. In a blink of the eye, he's gone. So instantly, this movie's already fucking with you.
1: I kept wondering what they were going back to his apartment for. There's a couple scenes where people go back to people's places, and mm-hmm. I'm not very sure what they're looking for. And I'd like to think that it's porn that they're looking for, because that's what the internet is for.
0: Blast my cash.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, like, oh, my friend's dead. I bet you he has a lot of porn. He had a computer. Yeah. I think, like Because I can't figure out why they keep going back to their friend's houses and whether their friend's houses are all In- locked. In the
0: remake, what ends up happening is this group of friends... By the way, in the remake, there's no two simultaneous stories. Mm-hmm. There's just one, Kristen Bell and her friends, which are basically filling in for uh, Mishi and all that kind of shit. They, Since this fat film came out in 2006, and by that point, social media wasn't really social media, but you know, MSN Messenger was a thing and et cetera, et cetera. They're in a chat room talking to each other, and their friend, who committed suicide logs on to the chat room and then is desperately trying to say help, help, help. And, and they think, Oh, they don't understand what's happening. And for some reason they draw the conclusion that, well, he must just, uh, it must just be signed in. And what who's typing in his fucking account. So one of them opts to go to the back to the apartment to sign him out.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, That seems to be the Genesis of that. This, on the other hand, It's a little bit more vague, but one thing that is clear is Yabe, just after this moment, is going to encounter a little note. A little note that indicates the Forbidden Room.
1: Oh, that explains everything. Okay, I get it now.
0: The Forbidden Room is a rather nebulous concept, but you can note them in easily because they are completely covered in tape.
1: Yep, sealed with red construction tape
0: mm-hmm this is not really explained but he enters one of these taped up rooms one of these forbidden rooms and holy fuck do i not like the sequence that comes up it's so fucking creepy to me
1: oh really i found it very lynchian and i actually really i kind of reveled in these scenes
0: I, like gr- they're great i'm not saying i don't like them because they're bad i'm saying i don't like them because they make me uncomfortable I don't like people moving unnaturally like that. I know you don't. I really don't. And it definitely sent chills down my spine when I'm watching this scene again. I'm like, oh, I know it's going to happen. But what ends up happening is you see this person dressed in black, just slowly, almost as if moving through water, just running towards them, taking a stop, swaying their entire fucking body as if they're doing some wild interpretive dance.
1: All in slow motion and with this soft with, focus and yeah. um, very low saturations. It's not very colorful, but it's, yeah, it's extremely creepy. While he's scrambling away and cowering behind a couch.
0: Mm-hmm. Looking underneath the, the legs of the couch to see if there's something there, and he doesn't see anything. And you know, you're like, oh my God, dude, oh my God, dude, it's fucking right above you. And then, of course, like, it's fucking hands go over and it just kind of goes towards you. And he lets out this scream and you think, oh, that's it. Right. No, 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 no. no. We see this cat again. Not too long after, as a matter of fact, he seems out of it. Yeah. You would almost think that he was on drugs. He, he, He seems so fucking hyper focused on just nothing. He does not hear anyone talking to him. And he just goes into. By the way, these people all work in a plant store, and they just. Uh, he goes into the storeroom, and there he sits.
1: And it's sort of like to me when this, um, I the, the 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 virus almost is transmitted from one person who has deceased to a living person through their fear. This is an incubation period in my mind because I keep likening this to a zombie film Mm -hmm. or like a virus, an electronic virus that you would get on your computer while it's sitting in your inbox and you haven't clicked on it like an idiot first because somebody says, hey, I found pictures of you on the Internet. Click here Mm -hmm. Um, while it's sitting there. It's just completely benign. And then the moment you click on it, you it's not like lights go off and guns drop from the ceiling because you've got given your computer a virus. It, it kind of incubates, especially if it's like a key capture or whatever it's doing on your computer, whatever malware you've got takes time before you launch the thing that it's after, before you go to the place where it's going to have its little pop ups or whatever it is, because I don't really get computer viruses. So I don't mm-hmm. like, have this problem, but I've seen people with these problems. Mm-hmm. So there's like an incubation period, same with a zombie infection. Mm-hmm. There's going to be an incubation period. Some zombie films have a very short incubation period where you might even die. Some mm-hmm. don't. Our, it could have a lengthy incubation period. Yeah.
0: It's almost as it's almost like if we could liken it back to other Jayhor that we're familiar with. Um you go into the house in Juan, you're marked. And it's you're fucked. Like you're fucked. Like you just kind of counting down.
1: It's like you don't know when and you don't know how, but yeah. you're fucked.
0: You're yeah. fucked. And same thing. You watch the tape, there's a way out, but if you don't know that way, you're fucked and you're marked it's it's death by appointment mm-hmm. the only thing that's different about this case is how open and widespread it is because it is not a simple matter of going into a house it is not the simple matter of watching a cursed tape it is not going to a locker it is not getting your picture taken by something it is not having your eyes transferred to a new fucking skull it is quite literally if you see these fucking things, and it seems to be no limitation to where they can be.
1: Because you start to think, okay, then just don't go in the forbidden rooms.
0: Yeah, good fucking luck with that, because it's not just that. Because if you go and you're a computer. Yeah. It, it, like, the, the internet seems to be this. Like, when Ryo gets onto the internet, what does he see? He sees these bizarre webcamed videos a
1: lot like chat roulette it's a creepy weird nightmare chat roulette
0: yeah except it doesn't have like the added benefit of people just jerking it for your entertainment
1: i've off i've never seen anyone doing anything porny on chat roulette but that i've only looked at chat roulette once as like to see what chat roulette was so i could define it within my brain cool well jerking it you say yeah yeah. I may yeah. have to redefine chat roulette.
0: Right. So it's basically a series of videos of people. What would you say? Some of them are just keeled over on their desks or just sitting there. They, people look tired. They look out of it. There's one dude with a motherfucking bag on his head mm-hmm. with
1: a uh, help me scrawled all over the walls. Uh, that's about my most favorite because we he recurs and when ray he sees a lot of these videos and he's just like what the fuck is this the internet that's the thing is yeah. like is that what he thinks the internet is now because so when the guy's pulling the bag off of his head that becomes too much for him that's yeah. when he's like turning off screens and unplugging cords because he's like i do not want to see whatever the fuck this is mm-hmm. uh it reminds me a little bit of the film suicide room Uh, Which is somewhat similar. It's not uh, supernatural whatsoever. It's definitely just about depression. Um, But it does have an element of this. Being able to see into these people's last moments.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Which
1: I'm not sure he knows that's exactly what he's seeing.
0: He doesn't have any idea. For all this fucking fool knows, this is just what the internet is, (laughs) right? So that's why he keeps continually going back to uh, Harui and trying to figure out what the f is going on and then her suggestion is that she is just going to come over and have to check it out herself because she doesn't she doesn't know i can't help you like this i don't know well
1: yeah he can't bookmark the site and you've probably encountered links that don't respond right they've been coded to not accept printing opening in another window bookmarking anything like that it depends on what the the purpose of the link is or Mm -hmm. whatever image it is um also he can't print the screen like that that it seems to be bricked when he Mm -hmm. goes to these sites wherever he's going and she asks him what the address is and he's like address Mm -hmm. like yeah he's he's too noob so she needs to go over and see what the hell he's doing and if he's maybe he has a virus on his computer like who knows because the internet is bigger than these sites which is just weird to me that they don't really go anywhere else on the internet except. To these rooms but it's been taken over i suppose
0: that's that's how i've interpreted it they have whatever this force is we don't know what it is yet it has just made it so oh if you go near a computer this is what's getting turned on
1: yeah yeah because there is a scene later uh, with harue and she turns on all of her monitors and that's all that her computers are good for anymore
0: mm-hmm. endlessly streaming this shit yeah whatever it
1: might be chat roulette for dead people Basically. Yeah. Because it is all about friendship, this film.
0: It is. It is about friendship. The, slowly but surely,
1: we are encountering
0: the fact that more people seem to be becoming changed by this. On both sides of the story, everyone's little social circle is getting a little smaller and a little smaller and a little smaller. Quite gradually, I might add. Yave fucking just ups and vanishes. Mm -hmm. We don't know what happened to him. But again, left behind is this inky, ashy blot.
1: Which is really hard, I think, on Michi and her being a little more stoic and very Japanese, very traditionally Japanese. She doesn't let it get to her. And Janko helps her by saying, don't let it get to you. Tomorrow's Mm -hmm. a new day. Mm -hmm. Cheer up. You know, that sort of thing, because she's losing her friends left, right, and center. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: There definitely is this moment where they notice that someone else within their building near their shop has another door that's all taped up in red. They see the person doing this. Is this the
1: woman in red? Yeah, she's wearing a red uh, jacket. She's the most colorful person in the film. Um, you don't really see much of her face, but she just sort of comes down the stairs, starts taping up the door.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then that we that's we're left with that. We're like, oh, what are they doing? You would pose an interesting thing about the fact that, because we've seen this taped up shit before in other films, where it's this idea of blocking out disease. In in the remake, they very specifically say that they're blocking a signal. This somehow blocks the signal.
1: Mm-hmm. Duct tape specifically.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so like, is it that or or is it the idea of quarantining themselves? That's what you were talking about.
1: Yeah, it's far more popular in somewhere with a higher population density and a uh, larger fear of illness and germs. Like we're all just slobs here, and we have more room to roam. So I've only ever known two people under a medical quarantine. It happens far more regularly in Japan. Or people will quarantine themselves or quarantine family members. Just like, oh, you're sick. Here's a bunch of soup. I'm gonna tape your door shut, so everyone knows not to go in here. And there'll be a sign saying like, you're sick. Uh, mm. That's a little more popular and a little more accepted. If I tape my door shut and put a sign up, people. Would probably think i've lost my shit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah i've only ever known two people under ordered medical quarantine here but it's uh you had mentioned in the grudge it's
0: used yeah they do it in the grudge the the in 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 juan the when the teenage girls they one of their one of their friends she has the fucking place with newspaper just like all fucking newspaper and not only that but uh closet yeah has been taped up yeah so there's that too it's
1: almost like not only can we quarantine illness we can quarantine bad memories Mm -hmm. we can quarantine bad people we can Mm -hmm. quarantine the things you know that elicit bad feelings within anybody or things that we don't want to infect other people's moods Uh, Mm -hmm. infecting other people's moods almost a cardinal sin in Japan so Mm -hmm. the taping up of a, a bad memory a bad place this bad signal these bad things Mm -hmm. makes a lot more sense culturally, Mm -hmm. I think, in Japan than it would to our eyes. Mm -hmm. We have to explain it in the remake as it blocking the signal where none of that is mentioned here. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: not at all. I think because they would probably just understand visually. But do you think that it is a matter of protecting themselves or protecting others? Because they realize themselves that they are infected with this thing. And so they're blocking... Out their room so
1: the room that infected them
0: yeah and so they're just staying in the room and this is supposed to be like a warning to stay out
1: but they don't all stay in the room because that woman in red tapes up that room and then goes and jumps off of a building
0: you have posited that once she were to die irl in real life her spirit would remain trapped in this spot that's all taped up
1: taguchi's room really should have been taped up Mm -hmm. with red duct tape and i guess he didn't get that second note because there are two notes that come through when you're you know in conversation with this signal i suppose it will tell you forbidden Mm -hmm. room and it will tell you eventually red construction tape but he didn't get that note the only note in Toguchi's room says forbidden room. Mm-hmm. And I guess his room is now the forbidden room. Kudo goes in there and he gets infected. Mm-hmm. If the room would have been taped up, maybe he would have had a visual signal to not go in there. Or does he remove tape? I don't recall. He does go into a taped up room.
0: He does, yeah.
1: But it's in the basement.
0: It is, yeah.
1: There's no mention of Toguchi having gone in there. But he must have been infected somehow. Yeah. It's it's kind of a little liquid. Mm -hmm. that concept but it definitely seems to be if you've been infected you're compelled to tape up the place you've become infected Mm -hmm. and someone else runs the risk of discovering that becoming infected themselves Mm -hmm. you can even see these spirits around and not become infected
0: yeah i think it
1: has a lot more to do with the fear factor
0: it really does because there's so many times on this campus that you will see just what would amount to extras but they're all black shadows Mm -hmm. and we know that this that these ghosts are being like are being represented as basically people dressed completely in black out of focus and shit like that so when they're talking when when ryu is in the library Mm -hmm. reading about phantoms and stuff like that they're talking about that fucking little kid that's standing there looking at them. But there's another fucking shape behind them that's not moving at all. That's like, well, what about that? Is That looks like a woman sitting at the desk, but it's all black and they're not moving. That's fucking weird.
1: Alter creepy.
0: Yeah. So these things could easily be everywhere, anywhere. And they are. Because as we're noticing, there's just fucking fewer and fewer people around and People seem to fucking, certain people seem to know, Haru's friend seems to know what the fuck is up.
1: Yeah, he sees them everywhere and he's, fi- and he's fine with that. And he even goads him into going and talking to this little boy.
0: Yeah, he should try to catch this person. Which is just
1: mental. And it's almost like, is he is he fucking with them? Yeah. Is it that he's not afraid? Is that why he's not becoming infected? Because it seems what you need to do is invade the space where they had died mm-hmm. to become infected, touch them, or be afraid.
0: Yeah, Definitely being... A, once you you start to feel the fear of these things, it seems to get you, for sure. Mm-hmm. When, when they're talking about... When Ryu's getting sat down and spoken to by this guy, he posits that what has happened is that the afterlife itself is a finite space. And over the course of the billions of people that have died over the years... This space has become filled.
1: So when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth.
0: I mean, that is what Dawn of the Dead taught us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there is an overflow, and this overflow has to go somewhere, and it's our world. And they have these spirits would use these uh, would use the internet, a previously unavailable medium, to travel. To our world as a as a gateway between their world and ours. It doesn't completely add up until a, another element is there. Because you wonder, why are they aggressive? Why are they trying to, why are they killing people, quote unquote? Mm-hmm. Is that not exacerbating the problem?
1: And then the element of loneliness comes into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Where death is awfully lonely. Mm-hmm. And some people start guessing, are they collecting other people? Is that what it is? That they want friends? Because the whole point of this movie is friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's all about friends. Yeah. Um, So the, the loneliness equation enters the picture where maybe they aren't just overflowing. Maybe they've come here seeking us.
0: Yeah. And then by encountering them, are the people dying? Because what remains of them is these ashy blots stains wherever the bodies were lying and not only that but it would appear as though there's basic communication that you can hear from there you go into this room you go into a room with an inky black spot that person's spirit is there that presence is there
1: you might even see them if you you hang out there long
0: enough you could hear their voice perhaps
1: yeah they might phone you (laughs) <laughs> they will. They might phone you. I'm not even being silly. Yeah. They will phone I mean, she's you.
0: she's boss caller yeah. saying, "Help me." Mm-hmm. And so that that lets you know that things are happening to characters that you've even briefly seen. And the second you stop seeing tangential characters, you can pretty much assume that they're gone.
1: They're an inky black spot somewhere.
0: Yeah.
1: And where they could be at home, they could be in a forbidden room. They could be a lot of places at the wheel of their car as an inky black stain then they might phone you you might stumble upon them you might just see them looming around in the library like it is there's many different ways that you can meet your end and there's many different ways you can re-manifest it seems mm-hmm. completely random almost
0: mm-hmm. when yabe finally disappears junko wants to find him and so goes into the room that was all taped up and holy fuck th- like when, when uh, Mishi follows her in there and is pulling her friend up who's like completely terrified we just see standing in the fucking corner face on the wall is that fucking long haired chick that's like it's it's so weird like it's there's so fucking creepy to me I don't like that fucking scene where she's like fucking just like pulling her hair around and just like menacing her and it's like what is she doing and she doesn't seem to be really paying attention to anyone in that she doesn't be paying attention to Mishi at all She's only paying attention to the fact that Junko went in there.
1: I found that scene less uh, interesting as the one where Kudo goes into a forbidden room. Um, I found it filmed a lot more interestingly because it was like slow motion and desaturated. Mm -hmm. Where this looked almost silly to me. And there was a lot Mm -hmm. of that in this that wasn't scary to me. Mm -hmm. Interesting, yeah. Well, I
0: think that like... That's why I'm saying like I think that the beginning of this film is quite effective until you really start to get a handle of what it is again we've talked about like the monster problem and shit like that so yeah. i think that like once you realize what is going down i think the remake like um how they seem to combat that is by showing these entities like they're very specifically these entities that are part of this signal it's not as though i mean yeah they're, they're collecting people for sure but I mean, fuck, one of them goes into, like, that laundry room in the bottom of the basement, and, like, there's this fucking twisted, Lovecraftian fucking monstrosity down there. And you're like, holy shit. What the fuck is that, right? So, like, so I don't know if, like, what we need is more of that, because, like, definitely these ghosts are what remains of these people. Aside Uh from having extra knowledge, they're basically normal-looking people. They just walk and move so abnormally
1: and menacingly because they're definitely coming at you
0: they're coming at you that's the one
1: thing they have in common
0: yeah and they definitely scare the people that they're encountering and it kind of gets to the point where both Ryu and Hari like they definitely seem to be like we got a plan we got a plan we're gonna get the fuck out of here but of course the second these people get separated it's shit's changed right Hari has like a fucking encounter with one of these things and then she's marked and then they, it's basically she's on borrowed time. She gets increasingly despondent. She has a very interesting point that when she's talking about the monitor, when she turns on the monitors and it's like, look at these people. They're all just ghosts, aren't they? Are they alive? Does it even matter if they're alive? And then Ryu sort of chimes in, very anime, because he's just like, I believe we're alive and that's all that matters. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know when you have... um. Unfailing, like un, un, like optimism, un- optimism, and j- j- typically in anime, it's it's usually manifested out of the idiot savant characters that are usually have like a childlike innocence to them, and no, oh, unflappable. Six good. cans
1: of Coca Cola in his bedroom, and that's about it, aside from a giant fucking mess. Yeah, yeah,
0: I know it agitates you, but this yeah, guy crazy. This guy is just like endless optimism, and I think that's why he's so resistant. But to and and so and so he definitely tries to bring that positivity to her, and you almost think that he reaches her. I really think in that scene where she's like, "Oh, you're probably right. It's probably just as you say. Like we're we're gonna beat death. Like it's just like we're like
1: (laughs) that starts to save her. I think. Yeah, that's why she lasts as long as she does. Right, because she's. resilient and she's not afraid Mm -hmm. uh she doesn't get lost in this loneliness because these people become very despondent become very lonely
0: Mm um stop functioning and doing anything they basically just sit in a corner and do nothing until they just die or kill themselves
1: i started trying to sort of posit a little theory but i couldn't quite get it right so i'm not sure so bear with me and i think this is a little bit of a statement on the japanese cultural phenomenon of hikikomori which is the like japanese urban hermit mm-hmm. where uh, youth are so connected online they don't need to leave their house and then mm-hmm. they become agoraphobic to a certain extent and refuse to leave their house and they might mm-hmm. even drop out of school they refuse to get a job or just don't or just can't because mm-hmm. they don't have the education or even if they do have the education they choose to sit in home some of them yeah. do uh, telecommute but rarely sometimes just living off their parents' vows or very frugal lives where they're living on that packet of ramen at midnight and a can of jolt or whatever. And they watch anime movies, sleep a lot and have sequestered themselves in their house and sometimes do tape their doors shut.
0: Yeah. And lost all interest in any sort of human companionship. And
1: which is almost where these people go once they become quote unquote infected or whatever by this pulse touched touched definitely um be it physically or mentally or if they've done the touching Mm. Mm. um they become despondent they become withdrawn and they want to stay away from other people and they often will be mid-sentence and then leave the room and that seems to be one of the symptoms. If someone were looking out for symptoms, it would be somebody carrying on a conversation and all of a sudden just walking into another room to get away from you and crouching in a corner. It seems to be what they want to do. And I think if I knew more about Japanese culture and hikikomori specifically, I'd probably be able to get a little better theory here of what they're going for. But I really think it has a lot to do with it because they do have the same sort of symptoms.
0: Especially when you're talking about a film That was created after the birth of the internet and into the creation of internet culture, Mm -hmm. the primordial beginnings of internet culture. They
1: were probably the only thing you could find on the internet at this time in real life was articles on internet addiction.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So Junko and Mishi are going through a very similar thing as Rio is where someone's become infected and has remained despondent. And they're very worried that, their counterpart is going to succumb to this, even though they haven't fully wrapped their head around what this is. Mm -hmm. They see some symptoms and signs.
0: Mm -hmm. And they also know that they're pretty much on their own. I mean, there's lots of scenes with all these people. I mean, Mishi going shopping, and there's that one fucking store clerk in there that just sort of seems to melt away. And she just leaves without paying anything. The alarm's going off. No one seems to be stopping her. There's no one on the fucking streets. I mean, real? Is it a fucking uh, arcade?
1: Or like a pachinko? Yeah, uh, casino. Or and whatever. there's nothing.
0: There's no one there. Poor Ex-
1: Street Fighter Two console just blinking away all by itself.
0: I know. Fucking put quarters up.
1: Yeah, we could just we could take care of that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> But yeah, it is it is weird because you know that this is Japan and this would be throngs of people, especially in an arcade. Mm-hmm. Definitely. There would be people gaming and gambling and just hanging out, just generally hanging out. But no, in the supermarket, absolutely nobody, especially with alarms going off. There's mm-hmm. only one scene later on where you hear a siren going off. But even by then, you're convinced, you know, there could be no one behind the wheel of that emergency vehicle.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's insidious because it's only by the time you're sort of wrapping your head around what this virus pulse thing is and how it's transmitting itself and what it's doing to people and what it's relieving of the people that are missing and the many, many people that are missing. Then that's only when you realize how many fucking people are missing.
0: Yeah, especially when they encounter like that TV station that's just like broadcasting all the people that are missing. They posit this theory within the film that Harui, I think, either comes up with or Rio or whatnot. And he had said, or they had said, that why would the ghosts want to kill people? It adds to the problem. Would they not try to make people immortal instead? And how would you make people immortal? You trap them within their own negative feelings, their own sense of loneliness. And so the movie seems to imply that these ashen blots are the people neither living nor dead, just stuck perpetually in this thing.
1: They only really die or return to a forbidden room or wherever they go next. Mm -hmm. When they've let go entirely in that, ashy blot disappears. Mm -hmm. The corporeal human never reappears, but that ashy stain can remain or dissipate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that thing, that tipping point is, though.
0: Yeah. When uh, Junko seems to get a moment of clarity when she was like basically sick the whole time, she almost like she had like a really severe flu, mm-hmm. making weird fucking noises, staring at the ceiling or staring out the window. And you think she's just going to fucking plop out the side.
1: I think that if she had had no friend to convince her that she wasn't alone, she would have disappeared a lot quicker. Oh, for sure. It's so what prolongs it is. Knowing, and not just knowing, convincing yourself, and actually believing that you're not alone Mm -hmm. can save you to a certain extent.
0: Mm -hmm. I know that uh, Ryu and Harui have this notion to go, to just fucking get as far away from wherever they are.
1: Go to the end of the line and then just keep going. Yeah. That's a recurring theme from the middle toward the end of this. Mm
0: -hmm. And as they get to the end of the line and I guess like the driver fucking like the
1: the real end of the line on the train, like the actual end of the line.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Somehow or other Hari gets back to their apartment. This is a very weird cut to me. It's like, they seem
1: to go so far away.
0: Yeah. And she leaves the train on foot. Ryu loses sight of her. And then next thing you know, she's back at her apartment. So I'm like, uh, when did that happen? How did that happen? Like, let's say you were riding on the train for a couple hours.
1: It happens later on, too, where they drive as far as they can away, and the person who's infected isn't feeling well, and the person who's well turns to them and says, do you want to go back to your apartment? Is that what you want to do? They seem to have caught on that when they're really feeling very lonely and they are at the end of their rope, so to speak, they want to just return to the place that they were infected.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Or maybe the place where they feel the most safe or the most comfortable or something like that. Mm-hmm. This is the one time where I got like super fucking drunk. And I've only ever thrown up drunk once. So I was like in my early 20s and I just went on a crazy bender. And I just, I don't know what the fuck was happening. But I remember waking up in uh, the, my bedroom was on the middle floor of the house. But when I was a very young kid, I shared a bedroom with my brother upstairs. And... What ended up happening was I was so fucking sick that I like went into the basement of my house and like just vomited all over the floor like a fucking beast, like a monster, sick sludge, sickly boy. And then like once I puked my guts out and passed out, I woke up a few minutes later and I like crawled like a fucking undead ghoul to the my childhood bedroom. And I, w- and, and I just, like, fucking pass out there for hours. like And I mean, like, I woke up at, like, 5 p.m. the next day, like, feeling like I just wanted to die. And I likened it to just, like, the elephant graveyards. Like, I was just yeah, going back yeah. to my ancestral home to die, which was this bedroom.
1: Which is, in a way, what I think that these people are doing. Yeah. And what they want to do. And... It it sort of, it, it throws you off. And like you said, it's a strange edit there because they seem to have gone so fucking far away. That's the
0: thing. And there's no sense of time. That's what drives me crazy. Like I'm just like, hang on a second here. How long was this? Yeah. Did she go on foot? How long would that have taken?
1: And there's no other vehicles available. They are on the last train at the end of its line. There's no driver anymore. Yeah. He's an inky black stain, I'll bet, somewhere, you know. But then he, you know, trots across the field and opens up the door to her apartment and there she is, which makes no fucking sense, but whatever.
0: Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's Japan. I mean, it's not the biggest country in the world. So I don't know, but, uh, it still takes
1: more than a minute to that's run true. the entire length of a train circuit.
0: When she is back in her apartment, she is watching. She goes through the webcam videos that the internet has been broadcasting. What, Rooms that were full of people now do not have people in them, except for one. It's... And you can... It's that same motherfucker with that red shirt and the garbage bag on his fucking head.
1: My favorite. I call him Baghead. Old baggy. Good old Baghead. Yep.
0: Anyway, this fucking plastic sack boy rolls his chair up, and we've seen this before, and he slowly pulls off the bag to reveal, oh, it's just a guy. It's not like, oh, what's what's his head going to look like? He's just a guy. And... Caps himself, fucking. has He's a, a guy gun. with
1: a gun, oddly it, enough.
0: Fucking blows his fucking brains out. Yeah, we
1: thought that the bag would have something to do with it, but nope, he tricked us. Yeah, He's yeah a funny yeah. guy. I like baggy, old baggy.
0: Yeah. So she then sees herself on the webcam. Something is fucking filming her from where?
1: Which seems to have happened if we go all the way back to our pal Taguchi, his apartment. When his friends came in, the in his apartment was a printout, a screen cap of him standing in his apartment and on the monitor was a picture of him standing in his apartment so he had this exact same thing happen to him and it freaked him out enough that he captured a screen cap i don't know how if his hands weren't on the keyboard but whatever i'm not gonna get nick pickety here um, and she's having the same thing where she's looking at her monitor and her monitor is behind her somewhere. She knows there's no camera. Mm-hmm. And if we recall in Taguchi's apartment, there's some that's somewhere where it's just open space. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere to attach a camera it would have to be a person standing there with a camera, but there's nobody there. Same thing here. She turns around as we're watching her on the monitor, which seems to be not delayed a few seconds, which we're used to delays anyone that uses skype is used to delays anyone who watches satellite feed is used to delays they have an anti-delay what would you call it it's going a few seconds in the future i don't even know if we have a word for that it's broadcasting mm-hmm. 10 seconds in the future
0: as she's walking towards the camera she seems to wrap her she's like i'm not going to be alone anymore she seems to find some sort of bliss and she wraps her arms around something
1: That she can see.
0: That she can see and leans in to kiss it. Cut. We're done with that. Also, at this point, um, Junko has, in her moments of elation, just turned into a fucking black stain. And the gust of wind hits it. And Mishi is by herself. When Ryu gets to Harui's apartment, there's nobody there. And as he's wandering around aimlessly, this is where our two stories converge. And Mishy and Rio meet each other. And they go... But they, I mean, she was out to try to find her mother. She called her mother. No answer. So she was going to go visit her parents. Her car breaks down. And we get information that, like, her parents are gone. Or mm-hmm. both her parents are gone. Which stands to fucking reason, everyone's fucking this gone. This is
1: where this starts to really remind me of The Walking Dead. And uh, even though he didn't find her in a tank, Rio kind of reminds me of Glenn, in a way. Just because <laughs> he's plucky. And he's like, here, drink a can of crab juice or whatever the fuck. Yeah. I was joking that it was probably a can of panties. It could be a can of fucking <laughs> chocolate and ice cream and coffee. It could be a can of fucking
0: kelp. Say know. what you want. The Japanese do their fucking vending machines right.
1: They do do their vending machines right. And I wish I was surrounded by fucking vending machines at all times. I honestly do. Yeah, I know. And I'm right. not because not I want a can of kelp or eels or... Panties. Panties. A can of Panties or a can of whatever colas because they have so many colas and just you know i want i kind of want fizzy coffee sometimes i do but he's like you know it's not getting to him none of this is getting to him he's just like here have a drink (laughs) yeah and she's she's getting despondent she's kind of uh Frito we almost think that she might be infected but she's just fucking sad because everyone around her has died she's just found that her parents are gone and I say died but I don't know what I mean I mean gone um and one by one our friends have definitely disappeared in front of our eyes mm. so she's has every right to be a little bit weirded out at this point but the music is kicking in throughout the music has been ripped off from a bad tv drama Mm -hmm. and now we're getting into a little more orchestral uh atmospheric looming music so it reminds me a lot of walking dead i wouldn't be surprised if bear mccreary had heard this part and watched the end of this when he was composing a score it wouldn't surprise me at all not that it's ripped off at all it's just very reminiscent of walking dead and the state of the planet at this point or japan anyway is very reminiscent of any zero-day zombie horror where everyone's gone and no one knows where they went and people are starting to look for people. And then you encounter a few individuals like Rio who are just okay with this, I guess. Maybe because he was a gamer and he was fine with people leaving him alone.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like, listen, as long as I got my wallet chain and all my Hawaiian shirts, I'm good. Mm Mm-hmm. But he does want to find Hurry, who's who he describes as his one and only
1: friend, which is weird because they just met. But whatever, carry on.
0: If you had no friends beforehand, then the one person that gave you more than a minute's attention would technically be your friend, as far as you were concerned.
1: Like Apple and Turbo Kid.
0: Yes, very much so.
1: This is why we're friends. Because <laughs> I saw you. You did see me. I did. <laughs> let's play
0: hide and seek. Um, let's finish the show. Um, okay. Um, Michi, uh, very cleverly sees that from Harui's window, you can see an abandoned factory. So let's go check out that place. Sure enough, Harui was there, but she's got a bag on her head. When she pulls the bag off, you notice that she's got something else.
1: Got herself a fucking piece. Got herself oh, a Glock. What are you? Some sort of like, oh, gangster West? I don't want to hang with gangster West. I'm not Apple anymore. We're not friends. Uh,
0: okay. Well, then I'm just going to hold my finger sideways like it's a gun yeah yeah
1: i hope the recoil takes a tooth out
0: oh my god you know what i'll get myself a grill then
1: oh is that how that happens i think that's how that happens i think (laughs) you just cracked that wide open you explained entire gangster culture to me that's great um i think it's one of the only two guns in japan
0: it might be but i think that um like where did she get that fucking gun though
1: from her pal Maggie McBaggerson.
0: You think so? Like he like some sort of like internet transfer? Like maybe?
1: Like well, when the- they kissed, instead of him like passing a cherry over to her mouth for her to artfully tie the stem in a knot with her tongue, yeah, he gave her a gun.
0: Is that what happens when you kiss people? Is, is you just give people guns
1: and shit? No, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I've never. No, I don't like guns. Or cherries. Well,
0: Arteries, like, like I can tell you, she likes guns in her brain. Yeah. Pops one off. You know, he tries to call the hospital. Who's there? Yeah, like, which is
1: kind of hilarious at this point because the world is empty.
0: Yeah, he tosses his fucking phone aside and he's like, he's going to help her. I'm like, dude, she fucking point blank just shot at her head. You can't help her. Not like this. Maybe. I. Yeah, people survive. This, that type of shit all the time. Not all the time, but they Bones do. Bones are
1: now infected too, actually. Yeah. they are transmitting images of death now too. Yeah. So,
0: sure enough, she dies. And they just got to fucking pick up, pack up, move on, let's go. And so they get into the car, but oh shit, they had a gas.
1: Yeah, which is an inevitability when you're driving all around Hell's Half trying to escape the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. But luckily, it's an abandoned factory and there's gas in there.
0: There is. So he's going to go in there. Don't worry, I'll go by myself. Every single time someone in this movie is like, wait here, I'll be right back. Something bad happens.
1: No, exactly. And we know this and they know this by this point because they've already established like what we need to do is stick together. We'll stick together, right? Yeah, me and you. Friends in the end. Yeah, me and you. Okay, I'm just going to go over here. Okay, see ya.
0: Yeah, and and, he, and they know that there's a taped room in there. because Mish even tells them to don't go in that fucking taped room. He's like, I won't.
1: They've totally set this up for disaster.
0: So sure enough, as he's pumping his gas, as slow as can be, just like...
1: It's not easy to pump gas of those things.
0: Uh, I'd be able to do it way faster. Just saying.
1: He's also probably 95 pounds.
0: He's a very slight man. But that door fucking creeps open. And sure enough, he fucking loses his gas cap. And I'm like, dog, you don't need the gas cap. Leave it. It's not worth it.
1: He probably has 30 feet to walk, and the gas can's not entirely full. It's not like he's going to all of a sudden start a fire on his way there. Yeah, and, and you know what? So what if he does burn the whole fucking warehouse down? Who cares? Yeah. But no, he needs this gas cap, because he's a completionist, and he's a not a neat and proper person. We know this from the state of his fucking apartment, which looks like a tsunami. He fucking destroyed 17 cargo ships worth of shit and dumped them into his little tiny fucking shelf box. Like
0: a fucking... Uh, a a fucking warehouse full of Coke cans just like poured into his apartment.
1: Yeah, and he didn't notice. I don't know. I I just I've been freaking out about the mess of this guy's apartment for like an hour now.
0: (laughs) At any rate, when he eventually goes after that fucking gas cap because it's so important, the door fucking closes behind him. This is what someone is in that room and sure enough it is a fucking black clad ghost man who seems to be providing as much information or more information than anyone else.
1: He's the typhoid Mary, I believe. He's got to be one of the first people infected or maybe yeah. the oldest spirit or just the one that has the most friends. I don't know, but he has a lot to say. And he looks sort of like, like the leader of some EBM group from the 90s or something. Like, I don't know. <laughs> He's just dressed very smart. Yeah. I like him.
0: Yeah. What
1: does he say? Forever... Death was eternal loneliness, mm-hmm. and he says it over again forever. Death was eternal loneliness.
0: Mm-hmm. Does that is he trying to imply that he ha, that they have solved that problem That yeah. it's no longer eternal? I suppose loneliness?
1: that's what it seems because it is cryptic. Forever, death was eternal loneliness. Okay, forever and eternal mean forever and eternal. So I mean, you're lying. You lying mm-hmm. ghost. Um. But yeah, it seems to be like forever death was eternal loneliness until you came along, my new friend, mm-hmm. I, I guess.
0: Rio is very um, specific about like not looking at him. I don't care. I don't believe in you. I don't acknowledge that you're dead. You don't
1: exist. You don't you're exist. Not you're
0: not real. Still sticking to the script that he was sticking to earlier when he was trying to like rally Harui and shit like that. Where it's just like, we're alive. We are definitely alive. We are definitely together We are definitely okay. So it doesn't matter if everyone else in the world disappears because we're here.
1: And we know this because we're here. It's not working, though.
0: It's not working. And then he says, I'm going to catch you. Because he remembers what Harui's friend said earlier, that he could try to catch them and the spirits will escape. He lunges at this spirit and it's solid. Solid. He grabs him and the spirit shakes his head and says, I am real.
1: Which is... So terrifying when you think about it. Also kind of funny because you expect him to have a maniacal laugh and like pick Rio up by his head and like swallow his soul and say like, mm-hmm. do I care what God thinks or something? Yeah. But none <laughs> of so that good. happens. He just sort of shakes his
0: head. And sure enough, as he creeps towards Rio, uh there's really not much that can be done. It's a very long scene. And I love that at the last second, his eyes become in focus, but the rest of them stays.
1: Just soft focus. But yeah. you can tell that he was... Just a regular fella.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And through this death, this transformation, whatever, he has changed. Mm -hmm. And he has all this information. He seems to have this enlightenment of death. It's weird. And so when Mishi finally comes back, you know, he's been touched. He's not dead, but he's by Harui's where she died. It's just a black stain now. And he's got the gas can and she manages to pick him up and bring him over and bring him to the car and they gas up and they drive off
1: still maintaining that they're going to drive as far as they can yeah they drive as far as they can and he is like fading fast it seems and she and this is where she asks him if you want to go back to your apartment mm-hmm.
0: she's so upset at this point because she's been driving and this is a really nice scene It it really reminds me of Um, driving scenes where you're dealing with an apocalypse like a a zero day movie where it's like there's nobody around or the mist where they're driving through the mist at the end of that fucking movie and it's just fuck everything's really gone like you're driving hoping to see people at best you see carcasses lying on the ground you see burned out cars you see abandoned buildings it's all you see nothing and it seems like they're the only people left in Japan and they drive basically to the water's edge and Rio is asleep and she thinks that he's gone but he assures her that he's fine and let's keep going he's not interested in going back to Harvey's body she's gone and let's just keep moving forward so they get into a boat but not before she's gotta go back to get the keys and leave him in the boat I, I'm convinced that like she's like wait here I'm gonna go get keys for the boat
1: We've been convinced since a half hour in that anyone you leave unattended is going to jump off a building or something. Yeah. So I was pretty much convinced that he would just topple yeah. into the sea. Too. The,
0: they have this scene where like this fucking plane is like on fire and just crashes. It's pretty great. Yeah. And then you go into this room where it looks like several people have died or turned into these things. So there's just ash hanging in the air. It's pretty cool. Miraculously gets the exact key she needs for the boat. Makes it out to the ship and or makes it out onto the small boat and you're okay. like where are you going in that little fucking speedboat you what are you gonna like go to the
1: open ocean yeah you're gonna go to an island just don't look in the cooler that's wiggling on the floor <laughs> i'm sorry i keep taking this to zombie movies but that's just where my brain goes
0: and sure enough we cut to a big old cruise ship and there's one other person on that cruise ship Mishi is there and talking to this older fella and says that you know, there's no signals anywhere, but don't give up hope. We're going to Latin America. There's very faint signals there, but there's something there. And she goes down to the to the bows of the ship and there's Rio just sort of leaning up against a wall, and sure enough, Black inky turns stain. Turns into a black inky stain, black ash. And then she's alone with that person. We pan out. It's a very isolationist shot of just this boat. We know there's only two people on that boat. And they're probably the last two Japanese people on Earth.
1: (laughs) At this rate, yeah. Yeah.
0: And and, and since we know that most of the world is dead, and so it's gone, the remake was quite different in this film, because this film leaves it at that. The remake implies that it's the signal, the technology. There are pockets of survivors, but very clearly in the voiceover, they say the cities belong to them now. These beings that wandered into our world and can do so via technology so it seems to apply in the remake that humans will and can and will survive but basically going back to the dark ages no technology whatsoever
1: my cousin and friends had joked about going to his island because it was in the wilds of northern ontario and you couldn't get any sort of signal for miles from where he was and it wasn't like fly-in by any means but it wasn't easy to fucking get to. So if anything were to ever happen like this, that would be the place to go. And then maybe 10 years later, there's a nice big cell tower now. So you can use your <laughs> laptop and play your Bidual Blitz and Facebook yourself to death.
0: My uh, cottage was like that, too. Yeah. Like, my cottage was a place where it's like, you can bring your cell phone, but I don't know why yeah. you'd bother.
1: To listen to music till you run out of juice.
0: Yeah, it's like you're not, like not going to get a fucking signal at all. Yeah. But now, like... It's such a novel. I remember like being, at, I remember the first time my parents went to the cottage and they had their cell phones with them and they said, and we could call them. Like, well, that was crazy to me. I was like, when mom and dad were at the cottage, they were basically unreachable as yeah. far as we were concerned. You'd
1: have to drive out there.
0: Yeah. You'd have, That's and, the way and, this and, used to be. Yeah. Not yeah.
1: anymore, though. The signal is yeah. breached every corner.
0: Yeah. Yeah quite interesting i think that this film i agree that it's very long it, it could stand to be shorter but i very much like the concept of this film
1: long begs and edit i like the last half so much more so much more and like you had said when we we're going into this you think the thing that you like the very most is how very different the beginning and end of this film is mm-hmm. and if you're the type that needs everything to just be the same fucking flavor through the whole thing, and you get weirded out when you're watching two movies that look sort of stitched up in the middle, like Abnormal Beauty. Uh, coming up next is a film that almost looks like two films that have been stitched up in the center. Very If different, someone yeah. can't handle that, then mm-hmm. sucks to be you. Yeah. I love how this movie changes.
0: Yeah, because really, it becomes this... It, it, we've seen ghost stories like this coming out of Asia before, where it's very isolated story it's it only involves a small pocket of people this is saying oh no 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 no, it's big and i know that in juan for example there seems to be a heavy implication they kind of throw it out later but there seemed to be a heavy implication that oh everyone it's
1: bigger than this it's a film um it was on netflix and i don't know if it still is uh the invitation that has sort of plays with that notion as well. Uh, I guess The Purge is what, that's the biggest criticism of The Purge movies at the beginning was that we wanted this to be bigger than these fucking people. Mm, These mm. people are boring now. These Mm. people were cool for 10 minutes. We want to see other Mm. places. Mm. My, um, not criticism, but my biggest wish for The Walking Dead is that I don't want to follow the same group of people. I want to follow the horde. So here's my script. Here's my idea that you can steal Hollywood AMC if you're listening. Just fuck this um Fear the Walking Dead. I don't care about that show. That's just more people. Uh Walking Dead, I've been tired with that for a long time. I want to follow the horde and I have since season one. They're like roving swarms of bees, Mm -hmm. these things. They're like locusts, okay? Mm -hmm. So you just pick a horde and follow the horde. And maybe even for a half an episode you see these survivors come in. Uh, almost like an annoying interference to this horde but you sort of get to meet them and you'd have to paint some pretty interesting colorful characters for us to be interested in somebody for one fucking episode and then the horde moves on like like the little hobo
0: <laughs> that's certainly an interesting idea i would definitely check that out i think that um what i remember watching the remake first and and at the end of that movie i was like oh oh, I was not expecting the movie to go in that direction. I I was kind of expecting it just to be like, oh, it's college kids are haunted by something. I don't know. We'll see Mm -hmm. what happens. And so, but I feel like this, the original film, because they gave more time and there's less explanation, it was less jarring, but it's just as epic. I mean, like that fucking plane crash scene, you like get a real sense of like, oh, wow. Like that's pretty fucking I think
1: it's even more... Uh, interesting, too. I, I, I think it's far more interesting than the remake.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think that it's I It's
1: insidious. Though it almost infects you with this way of thinking till the end, mm-hmm. and then to know that they, they're utterly alone.
0: Especially when, when the brightest spot, the the most positive person who believed wholeheartedly that he was alive, he was here, everything was going to be fine, we we're going to get through this, he succumbs to it. Just like everyone else. And
1: then these two are heading completely alone into the absolutely great unknown because they don't really know if they're going to make it where they're going or if it's fine to go there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They might just rot on that boat forever. Ambiguous endings. I love them. Yeah. Yeah. So next we have Abnormal Beauty, as mentioned. I'm excited. I'm extremely excited because it's about photography and weirdness and death. And those are things I dig.
0: And I'm excited because this is one of those movies that you plopped down on my lap and said, we're doing it. So I don't know anything about this.
1: Mm -hmm. I did this to you with Sick Nurses, too, in Dream Home. I was like plopping Asian horror down on your lap. Mm -hmm. Problem, don't I? (laughs) Well,
0: I saw Sick Nurses before. We watched my copy.
1: Oh, did we? We
0: did, yeah. okay.
1: I also have like a memory problem, and I'm also kind of (laughs) dumb. You
0: are not dumb at all. If you guys are interested... In ever requesting a film for us to do, you don't just have to plop it down in my lap and say, do it, and then like Lydia does, and then slap me in the face. You can tweet at me at WesDeadAirNipe, or you could tweet at Lydia at TypicalLydia.
1: Or head over to our SoundCloud account. You can post notes. This is what I like about SoundCloud is that you can just click on the, the thing we're saying when you're hearing us say it and leave a note on that thing because that's fun. Or on uh, splatterpictures.net. Mm-hmm.
0: And we got a brand spanking new about section on the website. So if you go to splatterpictures.net up in the corner, you'll just see about Splatter Pictures and Dead Air Podcast. And you'll see brand new photos that Lydia took of me where I absolutely look
1: adorable. He does, kids. He looks great. And it was (laughs) a dream taking photos of Wes because he takes direction well.
0: I do take direction well. So if ladies out there in the bedroom, I'd do what I'm told.
1: And on that note. (laughs) I'm Wes Knight. And I'm typical Lydia.
0: And you've been listening to Dead Air.